Welcome to the TNT EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Noons, with Matthew Ketchum. I'm super excited today to share out our guest, Joe Sanfilippo. He's coming to us from Fall Creek, Wisconsin. Make sure to find him on the web at jsanfilippo.com. Follow him on Twitter at Joe underscore Sanfilippo. He is the superintendent over in Fall Creek, Wisconsin. He co-authored a great book called Hacking Leadership, and he's just an overall educational rock star. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being on tonight. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today? Oh, man, doing great. We're just getting ready for the school year here as best we can, and Try, it just seems like a pretty normal year, right? Just a normal year. Nothing really else going on. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only thing normal about your year has to be go crickets, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it keeps people coming back. At least you have some consistent messaging, and I think that's been helpful. And it gives some, you know, it gives people a sense of pride and everything, especially in a time when, you know, you just don't know what's next. So. So this has been, you know, and I think the thing that we need to understand is it's, this is tough work. It's hard work. It's, but it's for kids. It's for, it's for families. And if you can continue to really kind of come back to that, the work is still as hard, but it's much more meaningful and it drives you to keep it going. So we talk about making sure that we're doing the right work more instead of more work. And I think that helps people kind of visualize a little bit. Yeah, speaking about doing that work, and you mentioned your family, how do you do everything that you do, but have this work-life balance? I I know in your Q keynote that you gave at uh, the QLDI conference, Mm -hmm. you talked about how you really didn't have that balance for a while, but how have you achieved that or more so? Well, I don't know if I've ever achieved it. I think I think the thing that's um, I think that was really important for us as a, a family was we chose this. This is the life that we chose. So anytime that we get jacked up about it being too much, we have to realize that we chose to be in this situation. We chose to live in town. We chose to live across the street from school. We chose to be invested in these in the family and the community and make sure that our family was also part of everybody's family here. So I think if we just make sure that we maintain and continue to talk talk about the fact that this was a choice, then it makes everything a little bit easier when things get really, really tough. There's not a ton of balance, but it's a, it's like, that's it. It's the imbalance that we chose and that it's, it's hard work. But at the same time, if we feel invested because we're seeing, um, you know, we're seeing the progress and we're seeing people get better at their jobs and we're seeing, you know, uh, you know, people from across the country, know what we do in this community. So I think our family, my personal family, my, my wife, you know, Andrea and, uh, and Aiden Kale and, um, and Elena, they all feel like they're part of that because they know how much we as a family invest in all of these people. Right. I think people are our number one resource in education. Um, you know, I've said in the past, the standards don't matter if the people don't matter. Mm-hmm. It's not that the standards don't matter they very much do right we we need kind of this pacing we need to know where to go on our journey and how to get there but we need to start with the people first they're our greatest resource and they just mean more quite frankly i could care less if a kid is doing the you know homework i've sent out you know the little bit that i do or you know does the project uh i have put forth uh 
if they're not doing well in other areas, I had a student who uh, had someone near and dear to them that was recently imprisoned and they were really struggling with that. And so just being there and providing a safe space and uh, a welcoming environment for that student really meant the world to me to be able to provide that. And um, the family shared with me, it meant a lot to them. And so that really warmed my heart and let me know I was on the right path. So I really like that affirmation. We don't always get it, uh, but it's nice when we do. Yeah. And, and we should get it. That's the thing is that it, what makes me just makes me crazy is we should get it. And I think if we continue to tell our, 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 our people, people that, that, that I supervise here and that we, you know, we, that we can talk to across the country when it comes to educators is that there, this was a, this is a perfect time, an absolutely perfect time for us to show parents or to prove to parents that we love kids and like content. And there's a distinct difference between the two. So if you love the kid, you're going to do everything you can for the kid. I mean, I like the content that people teach and, and, and we want to connect them to the knowledge piece of this. But when you know, when that parent knows that you love their kid, then that changes the conversation about the work that you do, because it gets us to a place that we're already invested in that family. We've been telling our group, like, I'll tell you, this is a time to lean into families. This is not a time for us to say, you see, our job was really hard. You see how hard our job is? This is a really hard job. You know, your teaching is really, really hard. They already know that. And guess what? If the people that you're going to, that you really want to tell that to, cause they get after you all the time that you, if you say that to them, they're going to say, yeah, no, it really wasn't that bad. When they're sitting in the corner crying at the end of a day with their kid at home, <laughs> they're just not going to tell you. So this isn't the time to prove anything. It's the time to lean in and say, you didn't choose this. This is not what you wanted, but we're here to help you because this is who we are. Yeah. Um, I like that you gave that advice. That's so important because the temptation is to be like, see, see yeah. how hard it is. Do you know what I'm talking about <laughs> now? But then your response was perfect. You know, they're going to respond yeah. like that and you're, you're not going to get that validation that you want. And so, uh, even though we deserve it, Correct. you know, it really helps. We have to just take it where we can get it. And that's one of the things I love about, having a PLN, you're really focused on culture uh, mm -hmm. in your district. Um, talk about that a little bit. Why is that part so important to you? And how did you kind of construct it? Yeah. Oh, so the, the first thing about culture is everybody, everybody talks about culture, but, but it's a different thing to talk about. It's how it's actually building and how it's actually, you know, invested in the work. I mean, you, the thing that we consider around here is it's not just about creating a culture of trust where everybody trusts each other. It's about making sure that everybody has value in that spot. So we don't even talk about developing a culture of trust. We talk about developing a culture of storytellers because when you, when you're, when you, when your story has value, when you believe that your story has value, then you're willing to tell your story to somebody else. And when you tell your story to somebody else, they become connected to you. And when they're connected to you, they will run through a wall for you. And so the more times that we're able to get people to the place that they can tell a story about the work that they do or live their story or be willing to tell a colleague about the work that they do, now you have a better chance for that colleague that they told to be invested in you as a person. 
And that's how we build culture. It's not just about, let's make sure that we get the team building games going up. You know, like team building games are fun and exciting and I love them and everything like that. But it's like, a, you know, you don't change culture with a pizza party. It's the, That's not changing the culture. It's great for the time that you had the pizza, but then everybody goes back to their room and gets jacked up about the fact that they don't feel like they have any value. You know, I mean, so the, if we can be in a place that we continuously create value for the people in our space by making sure that they know that we understand their story and value their story, then they're much more willing to tell their story to people who wouldn't have listened to it before. But if they're open enough, they will. And going with that, how did you come up with your book, Hacking Leadership? Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a, see, that one was kind of easier. Like, so my, um, an easier way that we came up with it. So my friend, Tony and I, Tony's a, a assistant superintendent in, uh, in New York and he was a principal at the time. And, um, I had just started the superintendency at the time that we started it. And we kept reading all of these books and all of these books were telling us how they were so philosophical. And they were, they were like, well, you know, all kids should learn. I'm like, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you. Like, great. Awesome. Thanks for your, you know, stance on all kids should learn. But tell me how. Like, give me something. Like, like make my job a little easier. And so we uh, were reached out to by uh, Mark Barnes, uh, and he did this hacking series. And that series is really about practical applications, you know, into new, like, new ways to solve old problems. So we asked about a hundred principals across the country, what's the hardest thing about your job? And, and then we came up with ways that we could make, you know, we came up with 10 things within that and ways that hopefully we could help people across the country, you know, with, uh, you know, helping them with their job practically. And it's not, it's not rocket science, man, at all. It's like, Write two notes to start your day and walk down the hallway with those notes, you know, play some music at, at, at lunch. So the kids feel like they're part of, you know, that they have some say in the work, you know, we do press conferences to, to, uh, you know, announce new hires. So people feel like they got drafted by a professional team. None of that stuff is rocket science. And guess what? It costs you nothing. So that's not something that need, you need some sort of huge leadership curriculum to put in place. Like just, you know, let the people come up in front and answer some questions and give them a T-shirt and a hat and call it good. And how did you uh, transition from a teacher role to that leadership role? So I started as a uh, second grade teacher. Uh, I taught kindergarten for like six months and it was the worst experience of my life. Like that was hard. Anybody who says that kindergarten teachers don't earn their money has never, ever, ever once been in a kindergarten room ever in their life ever. Or they're lying to you. Right. My first my first subbing was in a kindergarten room. Every five minutes, the lesson plan was changing. Absolutely. That's not just it's just not going to be no good for me. So anyway, I taught teaching second grade and then I taught fifth grade and then I was a an elementary counselor and then I was an elementary principal and then now superintendent. You know, going back just a bit, I realized when you were talking about uh, the book and I was thinking back to the LDI conference uh, that you keynoted for us, and John Carippo popped into my mind. I realized your hacking leadership is really similar to his Edge Protocols, but it's for leaders. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah I, I think so. I mean, and well, I think John, John is actually going to do some work with our with our school district this year, which I'm really excited for. And um, but it's really practical applications to do things a little bit differently. And I think that's definitely what Edge Protocols is about: is the idea that you know there's a different way to get standard attainment, and it doesn't need to be sit and get standard attainment. So this is a great opportunity, and and um, and we're going to actually utilize Edge Protocols as well this year with our group. Oh, that's, that's great to hear. I love edge protocols. I love hacking leadership, put them both together. Um, It's like you get your cake and you eat it too. And I really like with the solutions you offer, how they're low prep and high outcome, just like an edge protocol, Uh, you know, and it's being that change we want to see in the world, right? If we want that affirmation, we want the kudos, the accolades, those things, Mm -hmm it doesn't hurt us at all. In fact, it benefits us and helps us and gives us joy um, to call out others in a positive way, not in a negative way. Like, Hey, you did this fix ABCD. No, you did this. Wow. Look, everybody, Matthew did this or, you know, whoever, right. Oh yeah. Of course. (laughs) Everybody's always shouting out Matthew in our district. (laughs) Isn't that right, Matthew? (laughs) I don't know. I guess so. That's right. (laughs) Well, and, and they have to be, first of all, we have to be willing to do, we, the, the way that we handle it here is we do, we try to adhere to three principles when it comes to making sure that those stories get told and the, and we call it recognize, acknowledge, extend. So the, the first thing that we have to do to make sure that we're in the right spot as an educator, as a person in the building is put our mind in the right space to walk down hallways and into classrooms and be able to recognize the greatness of our colleagues. So after you've recognized the greatness of your colleagues, it's your job to make sure that you acknowledge to that colleague that they're really great at the work that, we're there, that they're doing. And then after you acknowledge it to that person, like when Matt, when somebody acknowledges to you that you're good at your job, you feel good. But at the same time, that's where it really ends because it was like, oh, I felt good because somebody told me. But when you extend the conversation to somebody who wasn't there and you tell them of the great work that Matt's doing, then all of a sudden that comes full circle because the person that you told it to is going to come back and tell him that he's doing great work because at some point somebody did it for him. And that changes the way that we do these this work because now if we're always in a world where we're recognizing and acknowledging and extending the great work of our colleagues, then we're always pumping up the great things that are happening and we don't get bogged down so easily. There's still going to be times where we do. But at the same time, this is an opportunity to continue to celebrate the greatness of the people that are in this building. And it's our opportunity and and to be very, very honest, obligation to do that because nothing changes if we don't change the way that that uh, that that happens. We talk the idea that we keep in mind here is people aren't going to change the way they talk about school if we don't change the way that we talk about school. And that's where it starts. And uh, building on that, recognize, acknowledge, and extend, who are some people on social media that we can recognize that you would be following or our listeners should follow? Oh, man, I there's so many people. I think from a leadership lens, I love I love the things um, that, uh, that that Tom Murray and Jimmy Casas are doing um, in terms of building leadership capacity. I love the work that uh, you know my friend Tony Sinas that I wrote the book with. Uh, Amber Tiemann and Melinda Miller wrote a fantastic book on uh, on, 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 appreci- on making sure that we appreciate the people in our space. I mean, these are all really, really 
incredible educators that are, are, are changing the way that we see um, you know, the work that we do. And if we can, you know, really appreciate the people around us, um, those are, those are people that I would point to when we're talking about appreciating those around us. That's great. Um, hearing you talk about the people around us, when you're bringing somebody new onto the team, how do you kind of, you know, um, put them through like a litmus test or what does your litmus test look like when you're looking for a new staff member? When we're looking for a new staff, member, that's a great question. So I think the thing that we think about first is, are we hiring somebody that's going to make us better or just continue the work that we're doing? And if you're always trying to hire people that you want to be more like, then inevitably you continue to grow the people around you. And that's the first thing that we want to do is make sure that we're in a place that, uh, that, that, we're, there, that we're building on the work that we're already doing by bringing people into the organization that do something different for us. You know, when it comes to like things like, um, you know, like social from a social media perspective, right? Like, so we have a, a pretty strong social presence and that's great. And, but we can bring somebody along on that social presence. That's not a need for us right now. We need somebody who's really embedded in the curriculum process from a leadership lens. So that's the direction that we go when we're bringing somebody new on site. If there's a, if, if we have, if we have three third grade teachers and two of them are really great at one thing, we want to make sure that the third person uh, is good at the one thing that the other two are, are good at, but we also want to make sure that they bring something different to the table so we can all continue to grow. Yeah. My, uh, my current um, uh, supervisor uh, shared with me when I was first starting the job and said, Matthew, one of the most important things you can do in your role is who you're hiring because that's who is going to be here when you leave right. and that's who you will instill that support that those concepts of what you're leaving behind so he said just think of it when it's time to hire that's one of the most important roles you have is picking the right people 100 percent agree 100 percent agree i think it's probably the most important thing that we that we do here honestly because that's the thing that lasts forever so what projects do you have in the works right now locally? I, I'm sure right now you have your hands full. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the initiatives that you're rolling out uh, during COVID-19. Uh, well, survival is really the thing. And that's not, I'm not trying to buy like, just like physical right. survival, but I want to yes. make sure that our people can stay engaged because this is hard, hard work when we're here all together with everybody and the kids are on site and the parents are dropping them off and, and we're going through a normal day. That's really hard work. But the idea that we are in a situation now where all of that work, it can't be checked on, we have to go through another step to get to that work, makes it tremendously more difficult. And so we want to make sure that our, our people feel like they're valued and that they know that their work has value because it's really easy in this world uh, to, be, uh, to get isolated. And when it gets isolated, it gets lonely. When it gets lonely, it gets depressing. 
And that's not what we want for any of our people. So those are the, the initiative that we're trying to move forward with our group is let's how do we how do we make sure that we keep them connected and make them feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves? Because when if they don't, then they're going to get real lonely real quick. Yeah, and we don't want that at all. It's so easy to happen, right? I know one of the things I did in the spring when I was still in my teacher role was I called students and mm -hmm. I didn't get a hold of everybody, but the ones I got a hold of, we had deep, meaningful conversations. And I found out a lot uh, things they wouldn't put on a survey. Like, you know, I sent yeah. out a little token survey. How are you doing? Checking in. Let me know if you need help. That kind of stuff. Just real generic on a Google form. And you know what? The results weren't that great. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And I learned a lot from that experience. Alice Killer had given me a pro tip about calling each and every one of my students. And while it was a lot of work up front, seemingly, it was meaningful work, making those connections, keeping them up. Uh, at the end of the day, the people are what matter most uh, in education. We got to help them get from point A to point B and help them uh, maximize their potential and become, you know, learners, but engaged citizens as mm -hmm. well. Um, what are you doing to kind of facilitate top level instruction to the best of your ability right now maybe like some tools or pedagogical strategies that you're employing digitally uh I, the first thing that we try to do from a leadership lens is to model what it looks like so we're rolling out a a brand new tech initiative with all of our teachers to make sure that they have the right equipment uh and process when they if if we are placed in, an, in a virtual environment and so we're doing, um, it's funny that you mentioned John, because one of the things that I used to do with John when I did some leadership stuff for Q was the smart start um, piece of, of trying to get, you know, new tech mm -hmm. initiated. So we're going to do the smart start with all of our staff members. And we're doing that by making sure that we model it uh, for them, you know, before we get it to them. So we're going to ask them to make videos and create some content and do some stuff with GarageBand and do some stuff with Keynote. But our administrative team is going to do the same thing to create the videos for them to watch so they can create their own. So we're really trying to model what it looks like. Um, and hopefully in doing that, we, we make them understand that or help them to understand that we don't know all the answers either, but we're willing to kind of put ourselves out there and hopefully in doing that, make them feel like they're part of, of something bigger. Hey, this is actually a question for Matthew. Yeah, um, yeah. Does what Joe said sound a bit like the end of your, your training today? <laughs> so we're, we're uh, in our school district, we have two different pathways that are gonna happen. One is, uh, let's say traditional school, which happens to be distance learning. Uh, for our students. And the second is a Modesto Virtual Academy, which is totally online content from start mm -hmm. of school to the end of school, no matter if students go back. So parents and students can kind of choose which pathway they want to go on. So we, the last two days, we've been working with our Modesto Virtual Academy teachers that are coming on uh, to this kind of new endeavor. Mm -hmm. And today's topic was how they use Schoology, but the second half of the day was smart start ed tech <laughs> lesson plans. There you go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, we, we've been, God, geez, the, 
when did we do smart start must have been five years ago right now maybe four or five years ago when we did it at um gosh i don't even remember. it must have been at skywalker ranch that must have been where we did it it was like that was fun but it was just about like creating it was just all about content creation and if you're not willing to content create for the people that you serve then you can't expect them to content create for the people that they serve no i think that's a valid point even though there's a lot out there i'm glad you mentioned that because matthew and his team uh have painstakingly just worked they gave up spring break uh Mm -hmm. worked a lot through the summer and they created so much content and in my role which was matthew's role as our um ed tech coach i'm hearing from people oh thank you so much now they still want more but they know we've been hustling and they in turn are hustling. I, I think okay. that's also uh, an earmark of a great leaders. Uh, well, you mentioned it, the modeling piece, but also um, just when, when we're creating that content for our students, modeling that as well, you know, it doesn't feel good when you go to a meeting and people are just showing you videos that other people have done. It, it's kind of meaningless, right, even right. if they're good videos, right? right. You got to provide that context and um, that, uh, piece of originality to tie it all in yeah absolutely and it makes it much more authentic for the people that you're with and then they want to be part of it too so that's been really impactful i think and i think hopefully will be as we continue to build it and how do you envision the landscape of education evolving over the next five or so years oh man that's a great question i don't even know I think that the, the, this is going to, oh man, that's so, I wish I had a really like poignant answer for that. I, what I do, (laughs) I do know that, that we were thrown into a situation that nobody had seen before and somehow educators found a way to make it work, not make it work perfectly and not make it work, you know, like, not, not a model that we could say, oh, that's exactly what we're going to do next year. But they right. made it work in literally hours, not even weeks. You know what I mean? Like they got it done <laughs> hours and then maybe maybe a yes. few days. But we were able to get that changed over in a in a manner that I, th- I don't think a lot of people would have anticipated because people think that school is the same as it always has been. And it's not. So I think as it continues to evolve, I, my hope is, I guess I shouldn't say that this is how it's going to be, but my hope is that educators take the one good thing from this situation, which is taking a look at their practice and saying, is there a different way? And, and, impl- and, and really kind of really empowering them to do that in whatever scenario happens over the course of the next two years. Meaning, is it an on-site scenario? Is it split or whatever? But at least when we're on site, have we learned enough from being off site to not only not take for granted the fact that we have kids on site, but also is there a better method of delivery that, you know, the online worked for some kids? So how can we make sure that we connect with them in that regard? And, you know, and if the biggest thing is about the connection, then what did you do when it was harder to connect to make sure that you did connect? And how are you going to ensure that that happens moving forward? 
Yeah, I definitely want to join you in that hope. That's definitely, you know, my hope as well. And I, I think you're right in not uh, trying to come up with some heroic monologue there for an answer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, what I'm seeing too, people may be doing some things well, but it's not like anyone has this golden formula right. for how to make things work like things are better and we're kind of figuring it out and i think like you said we have to find that like one thing and i know teachers are revisiting their curriculum as you mentioned and tossing Mm -hmm. out things that that don't work and we're encouraging that on our end both matthew and i um in our tech positions like hey you know, maybe some of those old worksheets aren't so great. (laughs) (laughs) How about I show you how to do this? Like, I'll work on it with you. So this week, that's what I've been really doing when I've been in and out of meetings and trainings is really helping these teachers build these lasting pedagogical skills on the digital side. Like, I know many of them have it because they're much more my senior, uh, but I'm showing them how to do that digitally now and really just being a support for them and letting them know, hey, you are awesome. You know, I've been right. in your class. You do great. Here are some things, you know, pointing out um, some specific things and then just letting them know now all you're doing may seem like a lot is just doing it in front of this camera and on this digital whiteboard. And of course, you know, there are things like digital checks for understanding. So I'm building up some documents on that using tools like Wakelet and now I'm learning Jamboard. There's so oh, much out know. there. Yeah, that's um, great. And one thing <laughs> I learned quite quickly <laughs> in my excitement is uh, at times I overloaded teachers like i gave them more than they needed how you do a great job in your book if you look at your book it's not this big beefy book it's straight simple effective and to the point how do you just grab the meaty parts and give that to your staff uh the first the first thing for me is just make sure that it has some meaning for them and that to me meant you know, so when we, we, we wrote, Tony and I wrote the book and then we gave it to some staff members and said, we need you to take a look at this. And, and, uh, if there's anything in here that doesn't help you as an educator, if there's anything that you think is, is fluff or that it's just full of platitudes and that kind of thing, then you need to tell us, cause we're not going to print anything that doesn't make you a better educator. It doesn't make us better leaders to help you. And, um, one of my teachers after she she read the her name is Val she read the book and she came in my office after she read the book came in closed the door came over to my desk and sat down and she looked at me really really serious and she slid the book across my desk and she said this is our school and she didn't say it was the school she didn't say it was Fall Creek she didn't say it was your school she said it was ours and that word changes the conversation about the work that we do so everything that we tried to do in that book was about how can we help teachers practically? How can we help leaders practically? So they're not having to, you know, not only go through their full day, but then all of a sudden find something, you know, read and try to figure it out after. We've been talking about the idea that, you know, they already have so much on their plate, 
right? What we want to do is help them rearrange their plate so it looks like they want to sit there and eat at their plate, not just look at all the stuff that they got from the buffet that's just piled on there. Let's make it look like, you know, that you want to actually sit there and indulge in that. We've been talking about John on and off, and another shout-out to him. Uh, we really uh, got started on this podcast. We already had it for a number of months, but when we had John on, that was really a pivotal moment, and he really took us under his wing and kind of elevated us and helped us to get more involved within the broader Q community across the state. And not only am I appreciative of that, but he was able to see something in us that would benefit others. How do you kind of convince your your staff um, that they are more than they appear to themselves? Oh man, I, the the first and I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. This is this is tough because I think we're 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 just trying to do the best that we can. At the same mm-hmm. time. Um, the thing that I always keep in the back of my head is that everybody's A to B is different and nobody's going to move to B if you don't value where their A is, even if it's not where you mm-hmm. eventually want them to be. So if, if, if person A is, is there and you, you know, want to help them move and you tell them that you want to help them move, but you don't value where they started, then they're going to resent you for telling, for not valuing how they got to that place. If you, if you value where they started and find good things in where they start, then they're willing to go beyond because you valued their journey to get to that place. You may not have been a part of their journey to get to that place. You may have just arrived. You may have just started. You may have just you know been assigned to or started working with that you know as a colleague. But if you can value where they start, then um, that, uh, that gives you an automatic in to the, the idea that we're you know all trying to make each other better as opposed to knocking down the stuff that we want you to get better at or, or not that, that we see deficiencies in the work that you're doing. Right. It's really, it, it sounds like you're advocating for uh, this attitude of gratitude, mm-hmm. you know, uh, giving thanks and being thankful for the person where they are, even if you want them to go a little bit further in a direction that they may not have um, anticipated, right? Mm-hmm. Especially right now, we're asking a bunch of staff to do that. Hey, you didn't sign up for this, <laughs> but we need you here. And I think you can do this part and just, you know, helping them get there or asking them. Right. Uh, lots of asks right now from everybody. More than willing to get, you know, return on the ask if you valued where they're at before you asked them. Yeah, no, I totally, uh, I, I appreciate the question because that means they're, they're looking at this. They're trying it out. They want to make this work for them and their students. So I always kind of appreciate the questions coming in because I know they're trying. Right. Yeah, I think that's important. Just if you meet people where they are and um, start there, that's a, that's a good place. And right now, are you seeing... I know you can't get too personal, but are you seeing some of this like COVID fatigue, like just people being a little bit just tired of doing this kind of stuff right now? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It turns into, you know, from masks to distancing to everybody's like, yeah, we're kind of over this part of it. Well, we're really not. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, just we got to model what it looks like. Do I like wearing a mask in school all day? No, I don't. Absolutely not. Absolutely. And you know what? If the order wasn't out in Wisconsin for us to wear masks all day in school, then we wouldn't. And that's just the way that it works because we think kids need uh, some time out of a mask. But guess what? That's what the order is. So that's what we're going to do until that is subsides. And then we're trying to model like what it, what it means to be part of a society too. And if that's what mm -hmm. the ask is right now, then that's what the ask is. That, that's, you know, so we're, we're just trying to help out. And I'm curious, uh, I, I've noticed something with many leaders. They tend to read a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you read a lot of books in general? Maybe not right now specifically, but, you know, in the past several years have be, as you've been, um, you know, growing your career in administration and speaking and writing. Right, right. Uh, I, I would tend to say that I listen to more books than I read. And that's, you know, I feel like I'm on the road a lot. And when I'm on the road, um, I tend to get a lot of audio books and listen either, you know, on a plane or in the car. Um, my in-laws have a, uh, a, a hot, like a hobby farm in uh, northern Wisconsin. And I spend a lot of time when I'm there uh, mowing lawn. And, and uh, if we're doing that, then I'll jump on a, I'll get a, a podcast or I'll get a book on um, an audio book and listen to it there. So I, I tend to find myself listening to more books than I do reading them at this point. Yeah. What are some examples of like a, a podcast you would listen to? It doesn't have to be academic. It could be purely for entertainment uh, to kind of balance you out. I know it's easy to uh, get inundated with all things education, especially right now. Right. So maybe one that, um, is a little more lighthearted or away from education. Yeah, I think the one that I really like that is uh, that makes me laugh the most is uh, the Rewatchables, and that's where uh, Bill Simmons and he has some guests on. They they like they rewatch a, a movie from the '80s or '90s, and then they just go through and talk about it and what was good about it, what wasn't good about it, some facts that you may not have known about the movie. Um, they did like last week I listened to one, I listened to them. They did the karate kid and then they did, you know, um, you know, old school and, you know, top gun and, oh man, Shawshank redemption and a bunch of movies that, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, those are, I love those movies, wedding crashers. And, and then they'll kind of go through them and talk about things that you may not have known about them. But, um, but yeah, it was, it so that's the one, you know, when I'm getting away from, when I'm getting away from the, uh, uh, you know, education in general, that's usually the direction I go when I'm listening to, I listen to more books when it comes to, um, you know, sticking, you know, staying in my lane in terms of the education run. Yeah. I hear you on listening to, to books, podcasts, and, and some videos, uh, generally when I'm doing anything with education and I'm on the go, I, I prefer the audio books. I've been sitting down a little bit more lately and reading things, but typically I prefer the audio books if one is out. Right. So I really like how Dave Burgess has started putting some of his books out on um, 
on Audible in the right. audio format. That's really nice. But you mentioned, I already forgot the name of the show with Bill Simmons, but uh, it the re, reminded me. The Rewatchables. Me, the Rewatchables. That sounds yeah. cool. I'm going to have to check that out. Reminded me of this thing I just watched today uh, on my break. Uh, they have a Sandlot reunion. I don't know if you're oh, a fan yeah. of that film. Uh, I love that. Justin and Courtney Turner do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll recommend that one to you. That's a fun one. Uh, as we close here, what advice do you want to leave the audience with? Jeez. So this is, this is the moment, yeah, right? Heavy. This is the, heavy, the heavy moment. You, oh my goodness. Yeah, what advice. Yeah. I dropped a bomb. Holy cow. I'll t- <laughs> uh, the, the advice, uh, the, the advice that I would give everybody that I, I, that I give people here is that you're never just anything. And we get into this all the time. The idea mm-hmm. that people say, I'm just a teacher, just a custodian, just a paraprofessional, just a cook, just a bus driver, just a principal, whatever. I'm just, I'm just, I'm only, I'm just. And, and when people say that, when they say that they're just, when they say that they're only, they devalue all of their work. And not only do they devalue their work, but they give the person that they're talking to license to do exactly the same. So people aren't going to change the way that they talk about the work that we do here until we change the way that we talk about the work that we do. And it starts by us taking that word out of the work that we do. Yeah, that's some great advice. That's that's heavy. That's <laughs> that's heavy. I'm going to simmer on that one for for a bit. You you dropped dropped a bomb All right. indeed. <laughs> so good. Joe, thank you so much for for being on. And I want to remind our listeners to follow you on social media. Uh, on Twitter, they can find you at Joe underscore Sanfilippo, yep. like your last name. And I encourage them to check you out on LinkedIn as well. Is there anywhere else they should be checking out your work? And now of course, tra- your book, Hacking Leadership. Right, right. Well, we try. We put stuff on on Twitter and on on, on LinkedIn and on Instagram too. We put. We're trying to get more stuff out on on Instagram, just with the with the walk to works that we've been doing, which has been really fun to do. Ooh, I thought of one. Where can they get their Go Crickets swag? Oh, that's a great question. So when the school year starts, we'll have the GoCricketsMerch.com up where they can order some of their stuff. But if they, if, if anybody's looking for stuff, the best way to do it is probably get it through me and then I can pass that on to our team and our team will take care of you. Nice. Thank you again for being on, Joe. No thank problem. you, Joe. really appreciate it. No problem, it. Matthew. Thank you so much for having me today. <laughs>